Good evening. We give honor to God who is worthy of praise. We recognize infinity of His sacred persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, how worthy of honor He is and we recognize His worthiness to receive that glory even before we would turn in our Bibles to God's Word. We are grateful for the time to be with you today. It's been a blessing. We enjoyed the morning time and then the mealtime, of course. That's always good, and I appreciate the good food. I was offered some cake a little while ago and told them I just couldn't do it. I still stuffed. Still well fed. But uh, we appreciate that. Good to see Brother and Sister Barbara here this evening. Appreciate their fellowship in the Lord Jesus. Glad for their presence tonight. I want to ask you if you have your Bibles, and I know most of you do, to take them and turn with me, please, to the book of Daniel tonight. I'd like for us to read together from Daniel's prophecies, the seventh chapter of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, an Old Testament portion that we'd like to focus on at this Christmas season to think together about the Lord Jesus as He was predicted in the song that was sung. There's the special just a few minutes ago. Mention was made of the prophets foretelling Him. And among the predictions that we see within the Old Testament, one of those predictions that sets forth the coming of the Lord Jesus as Messiah is found in Daniel chapter 7. I'd like for us to read the chapter in its entirety. And as we do that, you'll just want to follow along closely and carefully in your Bibles as we do read that portion. It's a 28-verse chapter. And in it we have some things recorded that might appear very difficult. And yet I'd ask you to follow along and Lord willing we'll say some things about these various things that Daniel sees in a vision. And as we do, by way of our message title, we would borrow from the words of Revelation of chapter 11 for the title to the message. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdom of our God and of His Christ. We want to turn to that scripture after we look in just a minute at Daniel 7, but those words, I believe, give to us really a fitting title to what we see happening in Daniel the 7th chapter. Look with me, please, beginning at verse 1 in that portion. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth, and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. 
I considered the horns, and behold, there came up one among them, another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Now really in those verses we have the kingdoms of this world outlined. But in verse 9 of Daniel 7, we see a break. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery steam stream issued and came forth before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was said, and the books were opened. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season in time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed." I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by, and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me, and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom, and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever." Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet, and of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes, and the mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came. And judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings." And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. They shall be given into his hand until a time, and times, and the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion, to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion, and the greatness of the kingdom unto the whole heaven, shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. 
As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Well, I trust that God would add His blessing, His stamp and seal to His Word as we look to it tonight here in Daniel chapter 7. May we just pause together again to ask that of our God in prayer. Father, we bow our heads and our hearts in the worthy name of Thy dear Son, the one revealed here by Daniel the prophet through inspiration of the Spirit as the Son of Man. Father, we come in His worthy name, His matchless name, to ask You to grant blessing to Your Word tonight. Father, may Your Spirit be our instructor, our teacher. May He take the things of the Lord Jesus and show them to us. Father, may we benefit by the time that we have in Your Word this evening. We pray, Father, You glorify Your Son in His worthy name. Amen. Well, as we look at these words of Daniel chapter 7 tonight, we have really, by the Spirit of God's inspiration, an outline of human history given to Daniel that will culminate in the future reign of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the earth. Now, by way of our title, we've chosen some words from Revelation chapter 11, and I'd invite you to turn back with me to that portion, the last book, the, the capstone book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 11. And verse 15, in Revelation 11 verse 15, we have those words that we would take for our sermon title tonight. As we do, some of you may recall these words as appearing in the Messiah, that great oratorio of Handel. In Revelation 11:15, we read these words, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Now those words appear in what's known as the Hallelujah Chorus of Handel in the Messiah. You'll remember in that great sweep of that musical piece. It's not just a great musical piece, though it's an uplifting, God-exalting, Christ-glorifying piece. And in the sweep of that, in the midst of what I guess is a break within the uh, music itself, there's that little interlude that comes in. I won't sing it for you. You'll be glad. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdom of our God and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Those words are drawn from Revelation 11.15. And those words, I believe, Revelation 11.15, give us a very fitting key to Daniel chapter 7. For what Daniel is recording there in the words of those prophecies are a picture of the kingdom of this world and a picture of how the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and of His Christ and how He shall in fact reign forever and ever. Brothers and sisters, we may not remember that this Christmas season, but I want to remind you of that. I want to remind you of how when Gabriel appeared to a virgin in Nazareth long ago, 2,000 years ago, he said, He shall sit upon the throne of his father David, and he shall rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Those were the words of Gabriel at the Annunciation to Mary of that child that would be born. And in this world right 
right now. We may not remember that, but I want to remind you. By the grace of God, I want to kindle afresh in your heart the truth that our Savior who came 2,000 years ago is in fact coming again. And as He comes again, the reality of His coming will be that the kingdoms of this world will give way to His kingdom on earth and He shall reign forever and ever. And Daniel, by inspiration, was given to see that in Daniel 7. I want you to turn back with me, please, to Daniel 7. And I'd like for us to spend some time together looking at what Daniel, by inspiration, sees in this vision. As we do that, again, my desire is that God might encourage our heart about the realities of our Lord's coming. When He came, He came to reign. He came to die but He came to reign. His reign would only be accomplished through His death. But as He has died, I want us to remember this evening. He shall reign and we shall reign with Him on the earth, as Revelation 5 says. Daniel chapter 7, then we notice these words of Daniel. Going back there to verse 1, I just ask you to notice verses 1 through 3 that introduce the vision of Daniel there. We read, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. As Daniel introduces this vision here in Daniel 7, we see, in the, according with what verse 2 says, that there's a time of great agitation that's taking place. Four winds are striving, wrestling together upon the great sea. The great sea here is the Mediterranean, out of which all of these four kingdoms grew. Around that great Mediterranean basin, these four kingdoms that Daniel sees as beasts come. And that's spoken of there in the words of verse 3. Four great beasts come up out of the sea. All of the kingdoms that Daniel outlines that really give to us an outline of human history and the kingdom of this world, all of these grew out of that Mediterranean basin. A time of great agitation. A time of great trouble on that sea. And Daniel then speaks of these four beasts. Now I'd mention to you something that I believe most of you know. But Daniel chapter 7 in the book of Daniel corresponds to Daniel chapter 2. But in a different way. Some of you remember that in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a vision, a dream. But Nebuchadnezzar's dream is quite different from Daniel's. Nebuchadnezzar's dream is of a great statue. It features a head of gold. It features a shoulder of, of uh, silver. It features as well loins of bronze and then legs of iron and it features feet of iron and clay, including those ten toes. Daniel sees beast. Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king, saw glittering glamour, if you will. He saw statue that featured the precious metals of the earth. Daniel sees beast. What's the difference? Well, I'd say the difference is this. Daniel's a spiritual person. Nebuchadnezzar's an unconverted man in Daniel chapter 2. What does Daniel see when he sees the kings of the world? He sees beast. What does Nebuchadnezzar see? He sees glitter. He sees glitzing glamour. That's how the worldling sees this world too, by the way. But you and I who have been made members of God's family, 
we see something different when we look at this world. We see a beast that devours. See, all that glitters is not gold. The gold of, of the kingdom that's going to be is what we're interested in, the kingdom of Christ. Right now, the kings of this world are marked by a beastly character. Back when Louis Farrakhan tried to organize the Million Man March there in Washington, he made this statement as he tried to gather a million black men to D.C. He said, we're doing this to show the world that we are not bestial, maniacal, and savage. I've got news for Mr. Farrakhan. Black men are bestial, maniacal, and savage. But so are white men. So are red men. So are yellow men. Every, every race of man, every nation of man's bestial. Why? Because Adam's fall has made us savage. Adam's fall has made us beast. Sin has done a job that has made us have a character. Unlike God's character, in which man was made in the beginning, being a God's image bearer, Man's rather become beastly and beast-like. And that's what Daniel sees in this vision that he has here in Daniel chapter 7. You know, brothers and sisters, I believe it's easy in this Christmas season to see all the tinsel, to see all the lights, to see all the glamour that marks this season and to forget that the heart of man apart from grace is beastly. May we not lose sight of that. May we not forget the reality of sin that has marked this world. As Daniel gives us an outline of these beasts. They correspond to what Nebuchadnezzar saw. We've noticed the first beast it's spoken of there in verse 4. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. Here we have the kingdom that corresponds to the gold of Nebuchadnezzar's vision or dream in chapter 2 of Daniel. That head of gold is here likened to a lion which has eagle's wings. We think of a lion and we know that's the king of the jungle. Think about the eagle, that's the king of the air. And if you will, this speaks of superiority like the gold of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And Daniel spoke of that when he interpreted the gold of Nebuchadnezzar's vision. That Nebuchadnezzar had a dream unlike, or had a kingdom rather, unlike the other kingdoms. As it says there in Daniel 2, whom he would he slew and whom he would he kept alive. He had, if you will, an absolute sovereignty, humanly speaking. And that's represented here by the fact that we have this lion with eagle's wings. But interestingly, in the case of that first kingdom, representing the Babylonian kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, something happens to it. The wings are plucked and the lines lifted up from the earth and he walks upon his feet like a man and a man's heart's given to it. What do we have here? Well, I, along with many other Bible readers, believe that we have reference made to the conversion of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. You remember the story there? Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. And in his dream, he hears about being put out to pasture, basically. Daniel interprets the dream and warns him, King, break off your sins in righteousness. Nebuchadnezzar does it. Instead, he's in his palace one day and he pats himself on the back. That's not in the Scripture, by the way. That's the Mars paraphrase. He pats himself on the back and he says, Is not this great Babylon which I've built? And when he does, a voice from heaven speaks and says, King, you're going out to pasture. For seven years, Nebuchadnezzar was put out to pasture. Till when? 
until he recognized that the most high rules in the kingdoms of men. What happened? I believe a man's heart was given to him. I believe Nebuchadnezzar was converted. I believe grace ruled in him and taught him who the real king is, who the supreme ruler is, the great God of heaven and earth. That's the kingdom of Babylon corresponding to the head of gold. Now, my purpose is not to give you a history lesson tonight, but in some measure I would because I'd remind you, as someone has said, history is his story. And I'm glad for that reality. I'm glad there's someone who is at the helm. As Nebuchadnezzar learned in chapter 4, he learned that there's a God who rules in the affairs of men. And it's still so. He's still ruling in that second beast we see. Verse 5, And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear. And it raised up itself on one side and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. We have that which corresponds to the silver of Daniel's image, the Medo-Persian Empire. It's lifted up on one side, I believe, to show that, that the Persian side of that kingdom was the greater side as the Medes and Persians combined to overthrow the Babylonian Empire. But this kingdom wasn't all that Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was. It wasn't the lion. It wasn't the lion with eagle's wings. It was like a lumbering bear. That suits Persia well in its history. But as a lumbering bear, it still devoured much flesh. And the kingdom of Persia was extended, extended widely in the world. Went all the way to the borders of Greece. But Persia could not conquer Greece. Instead, guess what? Greece conquered Persia. The third beast represents Greece. We read of it there in verse 6. After this I beheld and lo another like a leopard which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads and dominion was given to it. As we read about this beast, we see the leopard. Leopard's a fast animal. Represents the Greek Empire, the bronze of Nebuchadnezzar's vision in Daniel 2. The Greek Empire of, ne of Alexander. It was marked by speed. The rapidity with which Alexander conquered the known world of that day was amazing. He died at the young age of 33. And yet he conquered much of the known world. They say when he came to the Indus River there in India, he wept and he said, Are there no more kingdoms for me to conquer? Represented by the leopard, but not only the leopard had four wings. Speaks again of the speed with which he conquered so much of the known world, including that lumbering bear of Persia. Nebuchadnezzar's, excuse me, Alexander's kingdom, though, was divided when he died. Divided into four different kingdoms according to the directions of the earth. They're called in Greek the Diadochoi, the successors. Two of them were really involved in struggle over the land of promise. They feature prominently in Daniel 11. But here we have Alexander and his kingdom and his kingdom divided into four kingdoms. And that's pictured as well in Daniel chapter 8. 
Then we have that last beast that's mentioned found there in the words of verse 7. After this I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. What do we have here? Well, we have that fourth kingdom corresponding to the iron kingdom of Daniel, of the vision that Daniel interprets for Nebuchadnezzar Daniel 2. This is the Roman Empire that succeeded the the Greek empires that were divided after Alexander's death. It was diverse. It was made of iron. Iron the strongest of metal. Gold's a precious metal, but gold's not a strong metal. Iron is though. And that speaks of of the strength of the Roman Empire. That kingdom that succeeded these other three kingdoms. A kingdom that was marked by great strength, by great rule, by great conquest. But not only that, it's a kingdom that in some measure has continued to this day. Not, if you will, in a political sense necessarily, but it's a kingdom that according to what Daniel sees and as well Nebuchadnezzar sees, a kingdom that will be revived. When we read about these ten horns, we have in those ten horns what many have identified as a revived Roman Empire. The empire of Rome revived and if you will flourishing and functioning when the Lord Jesus comes again. And ruled by whom? Well, that horn that appears. He's got eyes like a man and speaks great things. We recognize him to be the Antichrist who will be speaking blasphemously against the God of heaven and earth and against the Lord Jesus when he comes. But he's going to be judged. He's going to be destroyed and so is is His kingdom. It's not going to be like those other kingdoms. Those other kingdoms really survived in vestige, in remnant, in the kingdoms that succeeded them. But when the kingdom of Rome is destroyed, when our Lord comes back, it'll be blown away like the chaff of the wind, like Daniel 2 records. There'll be no place found for it. And instead, the final kingdom... The kingdom of our God and of His Christ will fill the earth like a great mountain. This is what Daniel sees. He predicts for us then the the kingdoms of this world. But as he predicts those things, he also predicts for us what we would ask you to notice there in verses 9 and following. He predicts the kingdom of our God and of His Christ. Notice the words there in verses 9 and following. Daniel records, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before 
before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season in time. That's, that's the continuation of their kingdoms in the kingdoms that follow them. But when that final kingdom, the fourth kingdom, is destroyed, it will not continue in vestige at all. There will be no succession of it into the kingdom that follows it. For the kingdom that follows it is spoken of in verses 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought Him near before Him. And there was given Him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. As Daniel records here, this kingdom of the Son of Man, I would remind you of that title that our Savior used in the Gospels again and again to refer to Himself. You remember what it was? Son of Man. You remember there at Caesarea Philippi in Matthew 16, He asked His disciples, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Why did our Savior use that title so often? Well, one reason I believe was because He was a human being. But I believe He also used that title because He was identifying Himself with the one that Daniel sees in Daniel chapter 7. And He made clear reference to that when at His trial, the Lord Jesus was asked by the high priest. He said, I adjure you, that is, I put you under oath. If you be the Christ, tell us. And the Lord Jesus said, Thou hast said, and hereafter thou shalt see the Son of Man coming with glory at the right hand of God. Who's He talking about? He's talking about Himself. But He's identifying Himself with that final kingdom. The kingdom of our God and of His Christ. The Son of Man who has the right to rule. But notice the transition, if you will. Or rather, I should say the contrast here in Daniel 7. Those first four kingdoms, what are they likened by? What are they illustrated by? We see beasts there, don't we? The final kingdom comes from heaven. What's it illustrated by? One like a son of man. The only truly human kingdom comes when what? When God the Son in human form reigns on earth. Every other kingdom is a beast kingdom living only for itself. Living only to, to meet its own ends. Living only to enlarge itself. But what do we know about the Son of Man who receives a kingdom from the Ancient of Days, God the Father right here? How did He attain His kingdom? How did He receive it? I tell you, He received it by the blood of His cross. He received it by the work of His cross. The kingdom that He bought, He bought with His life. He didn't buy with the lives of others. He bought it with His own blood at the tree. He bought it through His death. He bought it through giving Himself. He earned the right to die for sinners. And there at the tree, He paid the price that you and I could never pay. And through the price that He paid, you know what He secured? He secured an everlasting kingdom. He secured an eternal dominion 
that shall never pass away. Hallelujah. Glory to our Savior. He is worthy. I want you to notice something about Him there in those words of verse 13. As Daniel says, I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And we read this, And they brought Him near before Him. Notice about our Lord Jesus there. He has the right to enter God's heaven. He has the right to approach God's throne of glory. By nature, you and I don't have that right. By nature, sin bars us. Sin keeps us from entering God's presence. But our Savior has the right. Now I remind you the words of Psalm 110, verse 1. David by prophecy says there, The Lord, Jehovah Father, said to my Lord, who is David's Lord, David's son, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. What has the Lord Jesus received from the Father? He's received an invitation to come and to be seated in glory at the right hand of the majesty on high. In other words, He's welcomed into God's presence. You know the only way you and I will be welcomed? Is if we're in Him. Outside of Him, the only word for us is depart from me. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I know you not. But oh, in Him, there's a welcome for sinners. In Christ, you and I can be brought near to the Father. He has the right to enter. He has done the work the Father sent Him to do. He finished it on the tree and He cried, It is finished! And then, three days later, after His burial was accomplished there from His death, three days later He arose. And He's the victor. He's alive. And He was bidden by God the Father to enter into the glory. According to the book of Hebrews, He's seated now at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having by Himself purged our sins. He did the work Himself. No co-redemptrix, Brother Paul. No co-mediatrix. No Mary, no saints. He trod the winepress of the wrath of God alone. And having done it, He arose and He's seated now. He has the right to enter. And the only way you and I can rightly enter God's presence is through Him, in Him, by faith that takes hold of Jesus Christ. This one comes near. We see it there in those words of verse 13, verse 14. He comes near and dominion, glory and a kingdom is given to Him that all people, nations and languages should serve Him. Here we see the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ presented. And as we read on in Daniel, really the second half of this chapter, and it neatly divides into the second portion, Daniel's troubled because he doesn't understand all of these things. And so he asks about some specific things. He asks particularly about that fourth beast, and particularly about that horn that we mentioned earlier. As he did, I just ask you to notice there his question. Daniel speaks and he says, verse uh, 
16, I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. And Daniel is given that interpretation. But Daniel speaks in verse 19, Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, and his nails of brass, which devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. But he also wanted to know more. Verse 20, And I would know the truth of the ten horns that were in his head and of the other which came up. And before whom three fell, even of that horn that had great eyes, that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. As Daniel sees these things, it's explained to him things that we mentioned earlier that fourth kingdom, and how in those ten kings there would be a revival of that kingdom, and how out of those ten kings one would come. One would come who would be, as we see him identified later in John's writings, he would be the Antichrist. He's identified by Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2 as the man of sin, the son of perdition. And his kingdom will not succeed. He's going to be destroyed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he is destroyed, I want you to notice what is said there. I'd call your attention, please, to verse 18. Of Daniel 7. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom even forever, forever rather, even forever and ever. If you would please notice also verse 22. Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. And then if you drop down please to verse 27. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the heaven, whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey Him. Now as we notice there, verse 18 and verses 22 and 27, it speaks of the saints of the Most High possessing the kingdom. It speaks of the saints of the Most High having judgment given to them. And it speaks of the people of the saints of the Most High having kingdom and dominion and greatness of the kingdom given to them. You might read your Bible here and say, well, hold the phone just a minute, Brother David. Back there in verses 13 and 14, it said the Son of Man got the kingdom. Which is it? Is it the Son of Man? Or is it the saints of the Most High? And to that I would respond, yes. One time I was preaching down near Spring Lake, North Carolina. I was eating at the home of Jesse Benson after preaching on Sunday there at Leighton Chapel Baptist Church. Sister Benson had prepared a great meal. She's a country cook, the best kind. You know what I'm talking about? Sister Benson looked at me and said, Brother David, would you like cornbread or biscuits? And I said, yes. <laughs> I didn't want cornbread or biscuits. I wanted cornbread and biscuits. So she, when she, when she put the oar in there, I said, yes. You ask me, who's reigning here? The Son of Man or the saints of the Most High? And I say, yes, the Son of Man. But in Him, the saints of the Most High will reign too. In Him, we are His people. We shall reign forever and ever too. The reign is His. But in the great love that He has for us, His people, His will is that we share the kingdom with Him. 
Listen to these words, please, of Paul in 1 Corinthians 6. Turn with me there, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And notice what Paul says. He's talking to the church there at Corinth about some matters that they needed to deal with and they were failing to deal with. Just pick up with me, please, at verse 1. But I particularly want you to notice verses 2 and 3. We'll read down through verse 4. 1 Corinthians 6 again, beginning at verse 1. Paul writes to God's people by inspiration, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to, ch- to judge who are least esteemed in the church. Now what's Paul saying? He's telling us about our great privilege as God's people and our present responsibility now. What's going to happen one day? Well, verses 2 and 3 set forth, you and I will judge the world as saints of God. It even says we'll judge angels. That's quite a work, isn't it? Where, where, Dan, where, where did Paul get that idea? Well, to be enough if the Holy Spirit showed it to him. Amen. But I believe Paul as well, making reference back to Daniel chapter 7. The Holy Spirit takes him back to what Daniel says. What's given to the saints? Judgment. What's given? Dominion. What's given? A kingdom. We shall rule on the earth, Revelation 5 says. And I would emphasize that. Oh, I believe the Lord Jesus is seated at Lord, as Lord right now. No question. But I believe just as surely as He's seated in the, as Lord in the majesty of the right hand on, on high, I believe similarly He's going to come and reign on the earth. And we shall reign with Him on the earth. Here Daniel speaks of that. He speaks of what God's people will one day enjoy as we rule with the Son of Man in a kingdom and dominion which shall know no end. All those other earthly kingdoms have come and gone. They've gone the way of all the earth. But His kingdom will know no end. His kingdom shall last forever. Brothers and sisters, as we think of that, I'd ask you to notice, please, in the words there, we read about that horn, that Antichrist, that, that horn that comes up and takes, takes over the authority and dominion. That Verse 21, He made war with the saints and prevailed against them. We read further about Him there in the words of verse 25. And He shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into His hand until a time and time for the dividing of time. I believe that's three and a half years that speaks specifically of the Antichrist. But you know, as we read about what is said here, He'll speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. The Antichrist will really be, if you will, the incarnation of Satan. Just like the Lord Jesus is God incarnate, in a sense, Antichrist will be Satan incarnate. You know what he's going to do in the tribulation? Satan is trying to do right now. You know what he's trying to do? Wear out the saints. Trying to do that. 
you know what? Sometimes I just feel like you succeeded. Sometimes as I live in this old world, my nerves get thinner and thinner. My, my patience gets tethered. I sometimes feel like he's succeeded. I haven't had a midlife crisis yet. I'm a 40-something. I had not had a midlife crisis yet, but I've sure had some midlife exhaustion. I can tell you, I get worn out sometimes. You know what, brothers and sisters? A hundred years from now, it won't matter a bit. But you know what? A hundred years from now, the kingdom of our God and of His Christ is going to go on forever and ever, and we shall reign with Him. May we not lose sight of that. In is our brother Al being likes to say the nasty now and now when there's sometimes too much month at the end of the money. You've been there, haven't you, child of God? When we live like that and we feel like we're going to get worn out, don't forget we're going to reign one day, brothers and sisters. We're going to reign on the earth. And our Savior's earned the right to do that. And I'm in Him! And because I'm in Him... I'm going to reign. It's nothing of my merit. No merit have I. It's all because of His merit. All because of His doing. All because of His dying. But because of Him, we shall reign on the earth. Brothers and sisters, let us not lose sight of that. Let us not forget that. This Christmas season, let us remember, He shall reign. They tell the story of one of those Roman soldiers that had trusted the Lord Jesus back in the days of the empire before, before there had been that turn. The decree went out. Any Roman soldiers must deny Christ Jesus. One dear brother who was a soldier in the Roman army would not, would not deny his Lord. They took him out to die. As they were leading him out to die, one of his fellow soldiers soldier said to him, Where's your carpenter lord now? He looked back at his fellow soldier and he said, He's building a coffin for your emperor. Where's our carpenter lord? He's built a coffin for every kingdom of the world that's ever been. Because they've gone the way of all the earth. But guess what? Of his kingdom, there shall be no end. He shall reign forever and ever. Only one thing I can say to that in the words of Handel. Hallelujah. 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 He shall reign forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, we ask You to bless Your Word and to bless Your people through Your Word. Thank You, Father, for the truth of Scripture. Thank You for the Scripture of truth. Father, I pray that we might all remember that the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Father, we pray when we get to that time where we feel worn out, that You just remind us afresh of the great truths, the truth of the kingdom of the Son of Man, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom that which shall not pass away. And Father, we'll bless You and honor You for that. In the worthy name of our Lord Jesus, Amen.